Hey, I'm Alan Sepinwall. I'm the chief TV critic for Rolling Stone, which is a fancy way of saying that I watch TV for a living. But there are so many TV shows being made now that even I can't watch all the ones I want to. But what if you didn't have to binge an entire series? What if you just looked at the very first episode of a show you'd never seen, and then the very last? Would you feel like you'd gotten a complete experience, or would you be completely lost at the end? Well, there's only one way to find out. Welcome to a new episode of Too Long, Didn't Watch. As our guest today, we are very fortunate to have with us a very busy, very talented, very funny actor from among many other things, Happy Endings, Scrubs, and Future Man, whose final season is available right now on Hulu. Eliza Coop, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm excited. So what are you watching today? We're recording this uh, in April in the midst of the quarantine. Are you watching more TV, less TV than you did when the world was normal? I've watched nothing. I watched one show. What's the one show you watched? I watched Unorthodox. What did you think of it? I liked it. I really okay. liked it. I was fascinated by it. I lived in Williamsburg, so I knew a very different Williamsburg than they did, clearly. Are you generally not much of a TV watcher? I used to watch so much TV, like even as a kid, so much TV. But then two years ago, I just completely stopped watching TV. Is it because you're in the business and you kind of, you know, you can see how the sausage gets made? (laughs) That might be it. I think also like... I watch the beginning of a lot of shows. I just don't finish things, which is weird. I mean, it's kind of the same with books. I've I've started every great book. Look, I've got, I'm looking to my right, I've got Infinite Jest and a bunch of other things that I'm still, you know, 30 pages into. Yeah, so I, can I mean, I'll get to, to it at some point, but I think it's hilarious that we're quarantined and I'm still not touching any of those things <laughs> all the time in the world. So is it sort of your general, like, difficulty watching shows that kept you from watching Breaking Bad, or was there a specific reason you had not seen the show before? we approached you about it. I don't know why I didn't watch it. I mean, I don't know. Something about it, I just didn't, at the time, it just didn't line up. I don't know what I was watching. I am I was a huge Game of Thrones fan. I don't know if they started around the same time. That's about three years apart. Uh, Breaking Bad was 2008. Okay. I also never saw the show Lost. I haven't watched Stranger Things. That's another one that everyone really <laughs> seems to be all excited about. Um, yeah, I just don't watch... I watch weird shit. I watch weird, I watch weird shit. So before we, we started talking about this, did you have any idea what Breaking Bad was about? I knew there was a meth lab involved, and I was pretty impressed. Growing up in the backwoods of New Hampshire, you know, I don't know anything about it, but I found out a few years ago that New Hampshire is like a hotbed for meth. So <laughs> live free or die. There's actually an episode of this show called Granite State, which we are not going to watch today because really? we're, only, we're only doing the first episode and the last episode, but the next to last episode is called Granite State, no and way. a large chunk of it takes place in New Hampshire. That's not true. It is true. I didn't get that memo from all the people of New Hampshire. And I feel like I've already said too much. This is a show I actually know very, very well because I've literally written a book about Breaking Bad Stop called- Stop it. Now, Breaking Bad 101, the complete critical companion. So if you ever do go back to watch the rest of it, I can I can hook you up with a copy so you can read along oh with God. it as you do well, it. Well, of course, I'll, I'll half watch it and half read your book. Okay, that, that would be great. So here's what I can tell you before we start. Uh, Breaking Bad, it was AMC's second original drama. It debuted a few months after Mad Men in one of the great one-two punches in TV history. It was created by Vince Gilligan, who was best known at that point for being a writer on The X-Files. Yep. It starred oh, I Brian watched C- The X-Files. I love The X-Files. Okay, there you go. Okay. All right. So it starred Brian Cranston, uh, at that point best known for being the dad on Malcolm in the Middle. People were not expecting him to do a drama. Uh, it premiered in 2008 with a tiny audience, and yet it became the most prominent show ever to benefit from what's called the Netflix effect, where people kept catching up on it with streaming, and then they watched the new seasons on AMC. And so it was a genuinely big hit. 
for its final season. It won 16 Emmys, including four for Cranston alone. It has spawned a prequel series called Better Call Saul, a I sequel movie called El Camino, and it's one of the most influential dramas of the last decade. So, Eliza, you ready to go back to Albuquerque in 2008 to see what all the fuss is about? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. I love a cactus. Did they really film this in Albuquerque? They did. For the tax purposes. Of course. They were doing van life before it was like van life. (laughs) I wonder if it was really hot. I I imagine. Yeah. So then that's a good wardrobe. Uh, The tidy whities you like them? Yeah. You know, he's making it work. I feel like the gun would have been a little too heavy for the undies, so you know what I mean? You're probably right about that. I feel like, and where was his mic pack? That's where I was was wondering. (laughs) See, now that's going to hook you, right? Yeah, that's a hell of an opening. Hey, Mr. White. Make those tires shine, huh? (laughs) You understood what I just said to you? Yes. Lung cancer. Inoperable. Best case scenario with chemo. I'll live maybe another couple of years. Really, I'm serious, Skylar. I mean, you're flat as a washboard. Oh. <laughs> She's not showing at all, is she? What else has she been in? What was she in before this? She uh, Deadwood oh, was her big thing. She played Marie. Tim Oliphant's wife on Deadwood. That's right. I love Deadwood. Oh, shit. Turn on Channel 3. I'm proud to say the outstanding professionalism of my fellow agents at the Albuquerque District Office resulted in a substantial amount of methamphetamine being taken off the streets. Well organized. Hank, how much money is that? Uh, it's about 700 grand. It's a pretty good haul. Was this his first thing? Aaron Paul, he had been on Big Love before that. He was Amanda Seyfried's boyfriend. Ah. Nah, come on. Man, some straight like you, giant stick up his ass, all of a sudden at age, what, 60, he's just gonna break bad? You, you are not how I remember you from class. I mean, like, not at all. So that was Breaking Bad. What'd you think? It's a, I mean, strong opening. I don't know how anybody wouldn't watch that show. Seriously, though. We're not here to judge. We're here to sort of correct the mistakes of the past <laughs> and move on. But that's a hell of a pilot. Yes, it's really, it's one of the great pilots ever it's made. It's probably one of the best pilots I've ever seen. And pilots are not easy. So what specifically struck out to you about it? Uh, well, I mean, I love the fact that, of course, he's a chemistry teacher and then he's, you know, cooking up meth. They did a great job at exposition not being so like, here, let me tell you what this show is about. They just showed you. And I think that that's pretty cool. That doesn't happen a lot. You just kind of got plopped into the world. So for the benefit of someone who was in the position you were in, what just happened in this episode you watched? Sum it up for us. We've got Walter White. He's got a baby on the way. He's kind of hitting hard times. He's a teacher, but he's also washing cars, which is a bit of an embarrassment. Well, from the point of view they show us, it's an embarrassment. And he's like, fuck this shit. So we're going to go cook up some meth. And he's also, he's sick. Yes, he has cancer. Cancer. What did you think of the look of the show? Because oftentimes people will talk about how well it's photographed. You feel like you're there. Like that first opening shot, you're like, you feel that. You feel the the juxtaposition between grimy, gross, filthy, meth labby, and then the beautiful landscape of New Mexico. Pretty cool. 
Yeah, and you don't even know what's happening, and there's a pair of pants floating in the, on the screen. And Vince Gilligan, you know, you said you like the X-Files. He was a writer who learned how to direct on that show, and it shows because it's really incredible. He Okay, wow. He directed this, and the director of photography was John Toll, who's won several Oscars, including, I think, for River Runs Through It. So how did you feel about the pacing of it? Because it's it moves a bit slower, I think, than a lot of shows. I prefer that kind of pacing. Truly, this is kind of like the way that this whole show is shot and everything about it, the writing, the directing is exactly the kind of show that I would want to watch and the kind of show I would want to create. So the fact I didn't watch this is kind of concerning. I got to really process that. You've got to turn inward. It's okay. Most people did not watch this when it came on. What did you think of Brian Cranston? Brian Cranston is unbelievable. I mean, he's incredible. I love seeing somebody who went from sitcom to this because being a comedic actor, you know, people don't love that that leap over to something else. You know, they they don't want to trust it, but he kind of paved the way for people to do that, I feel. Well, the funny thing is he had actually been in an X-Files episode that Gilligan wrote and directed. It's a later one. Do you, I don't know if you remembered. He, t- he carjacks Mulder and he's got a chip in his head and they have to keep going west or his head will blow up. Vince Gilligan has told me basically like if he hadn't done that episode, he probably wouldn't have cast him because he would have thought like sitcom guy. But, you know, AMC trusted him to do it. I love when I hear that stuff. That's so cool. Do you find yourself watching this episode rooting for Walt or against him? For him, 100%. He's like, he's the hero. Do you feel for the guy? I'm not someone to play by the rules. I'm not saying I'm going to go cook up a fucking meth lab in Topanga (laughs) here. But um, there's other ways to do things aside from what we've been programmed to do in this life. So over the course of this episode, they established that his life is a very frustrating one. Like you said, he works in the car wash and he hates that. Uh, It's his birthday and his wife makes him the vegan bacon. And then she gives him the world's worst hand job while bidding on the eBay auction at the same time. Like, do you feel sympathy for the other people in his life or do you mainly look at them in this episode as just burdens, you know, that are holding him back from from being the hero. I don't think I look at it as him being held back by them. I mean, but maybe because the the filter I see through always is that we're a product of our choices, right? So he chose that life. Those people are choosing to be with him. It's the life he created. You create your own reality, blah, blah, blah. So I guess I feel kind of like He's doing a good he's doing a good thing for his family. Now, Aaron Paul, he had done a couple things before this. What did you think of Jesse Pinkman in the screen time he had here? Amazing. I mean, I grew again, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire. I've met many a Jesse. I think I've <laughs> dated many a Jesse. Honestly, like the look of him and everything, like it just fit. It was perfect. I can't imagine anyone be else being cast in that role. Having only seen this episode, where would you guess the story goes from here? Well, I mean, I would assume that they start cooking stuff, they start making a profit, they start getting good at there's gonna there's probably some like they run into some crazy shit a lot like in the beginning and then they have to perfect it. They probably do they blow up a few things and then they need to perfect that. And then I'm sure the Jesse character is a little bit more like careless. And then Walter's character has to kind of like teach him some lessons, maybe. I don't know. And then there's more stuff going on with the family, more burdens. Maybe um, Walter's getting sicker. He's having to hide that from Skylar. Do they start making a lot of money? Does this like hit the ground running and they're like the best meth cookers in the county? (laughs) Is there any of that? I can't say. We're going to go straight from this to the end with nothing in between. And you're going to have to figure out what ha- are you re- are you regretting this choice? It looks like you're regretting this. I'm choice. regretting this choice because now I want to watch the whole thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I sorry that I we're will. doing this to you. It's OK. Based on this episode alone, how would you guess the story ends for Walt? Given that he's kind of like the antihero, right? Yes. Is there a false victory? 
midway through that we think he's going to like make all the money. Everything's going to be great. And then, ah, the brother-in-law, there's something there with the brother-in-law being a cop. Ah, fuck. I should have watched this show. (laughs) Is there a character that you would like to play on the show? Walter. That's my kind of character. Either that or the Jesse character, of course. Okay. I'd be a good Jesse. I'd be a good Jesse. I could see you being good at both of those. I mean, Jane was pretty scary sometimes, so... Yeah, she was dark. She was dark. Um, Who is someone that one of your co-stars from any of the jobs you've had would do a good job playing? Oh, um, well, Josh Hutcherson would have been an incredible Jesse. Absolutely. Damon Wayans Jr.'s character in Happy Endings would have been a great Skylar. <laughs> is that awful? Oh my god, no, I wish I could see that. Not Damon, but Brad. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And do you see any parallels between this show and its theme so far and any of the other jobs you've had? Well, a lot of it. I think that's why it's such a cool show is because it's taking like a, a normal guy in a family in like, you know, I mean, it's not middle America, it's, it's New Mexico, but... I've, you know, the happy endings world that I've played in that, but then there, my character's been a little tweaked. And then in uh, Future Man, just destruction and craziness. And yeah, I play pretty fucked up characters. So this is right in my wheelhouse. I hate to do this to you, but are you ready to jump all the way to the end of the fifth season and see how this story concludes? Yeah. All right, let's do it. So the capital letters on the... The names and everything is that supposed to be like the periodic exactly. table? Exactly. It's all about chemistry. Don't fucking live free or die. Live free or die, guys. <laughs> Volvo. Good car. Similar to the beginning, there's a vehicle and there's cops. Yep. Full circle. So it's nice, the opposing images of hot, hot summer, right? Yes. And then cold winter. Yep. It's written like a movie, yes. then, eh? A little bit, yeah. And that actually was New Hampshire that he was in in the car in that scene. Just listen for two minutes and then I'll leave running out of methylamine, aren't you? I so he and Jesse broke up. I'm gathering. No She's wearing Louboutins, though. Saw process. that. She's doing okay for herself. She's doing okay. How did you know to find us here? 10 a.m. Every Tuesday morning, you and I met here. <laughs> so he hasn't gotten better. And... Nope. What's this? Where is this? Skyler, I have news about Walt, and you need to hear it immediately. So if you're there, pick up. Skyler. Hey. Smoking inside. What's up? She kind of looks like Casey Wilson. She saw him at your old house. There's no way that arrogant asshole thinks he's some criminal mastermind, but he's not. Oh, boy, this really took a turn. I still love him, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you love him still. What stops those people? Oh, is that right? Okay. I see. I still had that house. Chills, a little bit of chills right now from this. Oh, yeah. Skylar's got to be like, can't even imagine processing all that. (laughs) It's a lot. That's fantastic. He took him down so that he wouldn't get hurt. That is fantastic. That's great. I mean, if you're going to do it, you got to do it that much. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, got, we got one still moving right there. Oh, it's the Jesse. It's Jesse Plemons. Plemons? Is that how you say his name? Jesse Mr. White. He's so good. 
really is. Mm-hmm. You want this? Say you want this! Nothing happens until I hear you say it. Did they both win Emmys? They did, yes. Do it yourself. Pick up the phone. Oh, is that the girl at Louis Tines with the yeah. studio? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hello. Is it done? Is he gone? Yeah, it's done. How are you feeling? Kind of under the weather? Like you've got the flu? That would be the ricin I gave you. I slipped it into that stevia crap that you're always putting in your teeth. Knew we were, they were clocking that for a reason. <laughs> I knew it. Goodbye, Lydia. Breaking Bad. You okay? You doing yeah, all right? Yeah, I'm okay. I just... I... I, I love the show. <laughs> I love it. So tell me, you've just finished it. What happened? Okay. He goes to um, this very kind of uptight couple that is a very perfect house. He obviously knows them from a previous part of his life. So he brings them a bunch of money. He says, set my family up. He has these two guys, one with a weird voice, and he tells them to, you know, it scares the shit out of them saying that they're going to get killed if they don't do this. So then he goes and sees his love of his life for the last time, Skylar. Yeah. Whole thing, sees the baby and has a tearful moment. Well, internalized. And then he sees Lydia. Yep, Lydia and Todd. Lydia and Todd. And I guess they, so I would assume he had his operation of meth cooking and then there's this other bigger kind of like cartelly type thing. They somehow took Aaron Paul. Yes. They've been using him as like a, you know, servant to, not servant, but they've had him. Meth slave. Meth slave, exactly. And, uh, He's cooking, doing the stuff. So he found, but wait, wait. When he was talking to the two guys, the one with the weird voice and the other. Yeah, it's Badger and Skinny Pete. Great names. They kind of revealed to him that there's some blue meth and they thought that it was him. Yeah. Yeah, the blue meth becomes his signature. I see. And so obviously that was by his protege, which is Jesse, Aaron Paul. So he figures that out, puts two and two together. Then he goes and creates the coolest fucking gun thing in the back of a car (laughs) that makes me want to learn how to, I would not obviously not do, I just want to be able to make gadgets and shit like that. Sure. It's just cool. It's not cool to hurt people, but to do, you know, just. It's cool if you can take a garage door opener and turn it into a weapon of mass destruction. It's fantastic. Yeah. Love that shit. So he does that, which is an incredible shot in the desert. And then he goes to the guys. He figures it out, I guess, that that's where... um, How did he figure out that that's where where Jesse was, though? Because the fact that they're still putting out the meth and these are the people he used to work with. I see, I see. Those are the bad guys. When Skylar referred to people coming to the house, I would assume he said, you're not going to have to worry about them anymore is because he... Goes yeah. to kill them right then. And, and, he, and he has told Skylar that these are the people who murdered Hank, the brother. Oh, I didn't know the brother. Oh, right. That I missed that bit. So you're dealing with a lot. You've, you're, you're keeping up much better than you have any right to, given the way okay. that you're experiencing this. Okay. So then they, he goes and um, he marches in there in his wallabies. And he's got, uh, <laughs> he meets all these gross dudes that... Um, 
look a little bit like a mashup of American History X and Breaking Bad. <laughs> and then Periwinkle Shirt Guy. Uncle Jack. Uncle Jack, yeah, is, um, okay, so he's the uncle to Todd. So Todd was a shady dude. He comes off as Mr. Clean and Cool and... Yes. You know. He's an absolute monster. He's the worst person on the whole show. That's great casting, then. Oh, Jesse Plum is fantastic. He's so good. He was great in Fargo. So, kills them all, which is a beautiful moment. I love that he tackles uh, Aaron Paul, because that's the way he's going to save him. So, clearly, that's an unspoken, like, truce and whatever their situation was. He's like, I'm saving you. Go do your thing. He doesn't kill him. They clearly have this bond, this connection soul connection that they're not going to do that to each other they finish out their soul contract in this lifetime and then they go on their separate ways and then he got shot at some point during his own massacre does he live does he die he uh i think he died i think he dies at the end and how do you feel about that i don't like it but at the same time i think that that was the best way he could have died because it's too cliche for him to have been shot. It had to be by his own doing because he did basically kill himself, right? Yes. It was by his own hand, his own gun, right? It but was. it wasn't it wasn't so on the nose and cliche, which I think is beautiful because it was kind of like he literally played Russian roulette. Like, well, I'm going to have this gun. It's going to go off. It might hit me. It might not. When we talked after the first episode, you said Walt was the hero to you. In this episode, do people respond to him like he is a hero? No, I think he's a monster, right? They consider him a monster. However, he leaves a lot of money to the family. I mean, you can't <laughs> you can't buy back, you know, trust and all that stuff and, and forgiveness. However, it's a pretty cool move. If you're going to do something shady and shit like that, that's a good move. But there's that scene and it's Vince Gilligan has said, like, the main reason he wanted to do this was because he wanted to have that scene with Walt and Skyler in the kitchen where Skyler assumes Walt is going to say, I did this for my family. And instead he says, I did it for me. I love I had chills during that. I, I liked get, it. I, I was good it. at it. And I f was really alive. Well, think about it. In that very first episode, I mean, you see this guy who's just like, I mean, look, he could have gone and just had a simple affair, right? Make himself feel like he's living again, right? That's what most men do. Just like, yeah. you know what? Fuck this shit. I feel like I, you know, he has no confidence. He's working two jobs. Those two fucking shit kids in his class come and make fun of him at the car wash. He feels like this big. So most people would just go, you know, buy some muscle car, right? At like midlife crisis thing or go, you know. He, he does actually buy a muscle car in one does episode. He? Of course he and does. And he, he does donuts in a parking lot. It's pretty great. But he could have just had an affair. Instead, he goes and he becomes like a drug lord. Yes. And um, and it makes him feel alive because I think that's, I think that the beautiful thing about this show, which I'm just kind of like, he wanted to feel something and yeah. he was dying. So... What did he have to lose? He needed to feel like he had done something with his life. And sometimes I think people create these messed up things in order to feel like they're doing something because at least it's something, right? Now, you said at one point, uh, I think around the time he, show, he rolls up to the Nazi compound, like that this is really dark. And the mm -hmm. first episode is mostly dark. You know, he's dying of cancer and all that. But right. there's at least some banter between him and Jesse. There's yeah, some light yeah, yeah. moments. Yeah. The, the hand job scene is at least, has a punchline exactly. at the end. Yeah. Like, how did you feel about the show having become this dark by the end of it? I think that that is what ha deterred me from watching it to begin with, because I don't love dark shows. But yeah. I like the realness and the grittiness of the world. Yes. So I think that had it gone any other direction, it would have been campy. So yeah. who would have wanted to watch that? If you're going to do a show like this, you have to go full on. 
And I think that that was great. One of the things we like to do on the show is I'm now going to ask you a series of multiple choice questions on things that happened in between the pilot and the finale. Let's see how well you can figure this out based on both what you've seen in the finale and your general understanding of how TV works. Yes! So Hank, Walt's brother-in-law, who's in the DEA, has passed away by the end of this episode. Earlier in the series, he figures out that Walt is the drug kingpin he's been chasing. What is Hank doing when he figures out that Walt is the drug kingpin? Is he A, interrogating Jesse, B, drinking beers with Walter Jr., or C, going to the bathroom? Going to the bathroom. All right, let's see if you're right. To WW, my star, my perfect silence. Yep. WW. Doing some reading on the John. I mean, nice. figure that is. Yeah. Woodrow Wilson, Willy Wonka, Walter White. <laughs> you got me. It's a good show. Yeah, it's a good show. Okay. Walt uh, goes by many different aliases throughout the series, including Heisenberg, which you may have seen written in graffiti in the ruins of the house in the finale, uh, Mr. Mayhew, Mr. Lambert. When he and Skyler have an argument about the danger Walt is in, what nickname does he give himself? A, the one who rules, B, the one who knocks, or C, the one who cooks? The one who cooks. All right, let's find out. Walt, please, let's both of us stop trying to justify this whole thing and admit you're in danger. Who are you talking to right now? Who is it you think you see? I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Damn it. I almost <laughs> said the one who knocks. You were close. All right, so as we said, this is a very dark show, but it could be a very funny one. What two-word exclamation by Jesse remains perhaps the show's most beloved line? Is it A, yeah, science, B, get crunk, or C, no whammies? Yeah, science? Let's find out if you're right. We're not going to need pseudoephedrine. We're going to make phenylacetone in a tube furnace. Then we're going to use reductive amination to yield methamphetamine, four pounds. So you do have a plan. Yeah, Mr. White. Yes, science. Yes. Nice. I knew that would, see, yeah, that's funny. See, that's you got funny. it. That's it is. Funny. Walt spends several seasons working for Gus Fring, who's a drug kingpin played by Giancarlo Esposito. What business does Gus use as a front for his meth operation? Is it A, another car wash chain, B, a nail salon, or C, a fast food chicken restaurant? Nail salon? Let's find out. Chicken restaurant. Chicken restaurant. They've done pop-ups in different parts of the country. No way. Yes, but mostly it's promotion for this show and then for Better Call Saul. Uh, okay. So you have not seen Saul Goodman at all. No, but I saw, I've seen Better Call Saul. I've seen that show. How much of Better Call Saul have you seen? I saw the whole first season. Okay, and so you've seen the whole first season. Watching that, did that give you any idea of what had happened in Breaking Bad? No. I mean, I was piecing things together. Okay, so how did you come to watch Better Call Saul without having seen this? Because I know people do that. I'm curious about you. Uh, my brother said it was great, and so I watched it. thought it was great. It was, I mean, it's a different energy than Breaking Bad. It's still similar, but it's a different energy. Let's give Eliza a break for a minute and give you a chance to play at home. Another of the classic Breaking Bad villains she didn't get to see was former drug kingpin Hector Tio Salamanca, who is terrifying despite being wheelchair-bound and mute in the aftermath of a stroke. Since he can't speak, how does Hector communicate? 
A, with a Stephen Hawking-style speaker box, B, by ringing a hotel check-in bell, or C, by scribbling on a pad hung around his neck? Think you know the answer? Let's ask my Google Assistant to see if you're right. Hey Google, on Breaking Bad, how does Hector Salamanca communicate? On the website ScreenRant.com, with nobody to care for Hector, he was sent to the nursing home, Casa Tranquila. This is where he received the bell which he would use as his main form of communication as seen in Breaking Bad. There you have it. Ding. 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 Thanks, Google. Now back to our show. Alright, so our last multiple choice question. In the show's most polarizing episode, Walt and Jesse spend the entire hour doing what? A. Trying to remove tramp stamps they got while high on their own product. B. Trying to kill a fly that's gotten into their lab. Or C. Staging an intervention for Badger and Skinny Pete. I want it to be the tramp stamp thing because that's just beautiful. (laughs) I don't think it's that, though. What was the second one? Trying to kill a fly that got into the lab. Yeah. Okay, let's find out. Jesse. Jesse, you see it, right? It's the fly. It just makes sense for this show that that would be, that's pretty brilliant. Yeah. You want me to get it? (laughs) You gave me those three choices and you would think that most shows would go the most outlandish thing. But when you have such a, the content in the world of the show is already so outlandish that to do something so subtle like that. Yeah. Is beautiful. To make that the big thing. Yep, and it's it's one of my favorite episodes. I think I think most people, if you're into the show, you love it. But there's some people who are like, I can't believe they're spending an entire episode chasing a fly around their lab. Right, but look at Seinfeld was wildly popular because they're talking about fucking, you know, a black and white cookie. <laughs> true, but there are fewer uh, machine guns and trunks on Seinfeld. That's true. That'd be a funny show, though. <laughs> was this a good way to experience the series? I should have watched the whole show. I should have watched the whole series. However... Well, it's interesting because, yes, you see the transformation of the character, but at the same time, they did such reverse match images. That doesn't really make sense, but you know what I mean. Like, the first episode to the last episode, that it's kind of like you're seeing the full evolution of this character in that last episode. Yeah. When you've seen the first episode. So you don't really need to see the whole thing. (laughs) And if you're like me, that's a hell, I should just do this with every show. Oh, wow. Okay, good, good. I was worried you would be upset, but you you feel satisfied. No, I mean, I I had a moment where I questioned every decision I've ever made watching television in my life, and (laughs) that that I, I can't believe I haven't watched this show, Where the Fuck Have I Been? And I kind of now feel like I... I'm missing a lot of things that people have talked about. Like when people reference things, I'm like, oh, that's what it's from. So now the second big question, you've now seen how this all ends. Mm -hmm. Are you more or less interested now in going back and watching everything in between? It's still a little dark for me. That's fair. Aaron Paul and him are so good. And um, what's her name? Anna, the Skyler? Uh, Anna Gunn. Yeah, she's fantastic. And I would like to see how Bob Odenkirk's character comes in. I assume he's the lawyer? Yes. Yeah, he is, he is going by the name Saul Goodman on this show. And on right. Better Call Saul, at the point you've seen it, he's j- using his real name, Jimmy McGill. So does this mean that you would be more likely to go back and watch more of Better Call Saul than of this? That's a really good show, too, because I love Breaking Bad as much as right? I do. I couldn't imagine anything coming to the level, and it really kind of does after a certain point. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? I take it back. Because of the way this show is shot and how beautiful and how smart it is, I might go back and watch it. 
Okay. And I very deliberately, like, in that trivia quiz, I could have shown you some major, like, big league spoiler things of crazy shit that would have meant nothing to you out of context, but I saved them for you. That's wonderful. Thank you. So when we when we started talking about the pilot, you said you thought that Walt was going to go, he was going to build a big empire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe there would be some sort of false moment where it seems like he's going to get away with it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like what you predicted is more or less what happened yeah. by the finale? Yeah, pretty much. Peaks and valleys. I think there's peaks and valleys in a in a career like that. Yeah, the the scene I showed you before with Hank on the toilet right before that is one of those sort of uh, false peaks where he yeah, thinks yeah. he's he's about to retire and he's made all this money right. and the cancer is in remission and life is good. Uh, and then... Okay. Not so much. Right, 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 right. Uh, did you have like a favorite moment in either either the pilot or this finale? I don't know if I have a problem, but I really loved him making that gun thing in the car. <laughs> I just love that shit. I just think like that is so smart. And to think of that and to set things up and then put it into motion like that. I just, I love that. I Well, here's one of the amazing things. The things I love about this show is you often hear like people assume that the writers on a show like this, they have to have some kind of master plan. Right. They got to have it all plotted out in advance. And Vince Gilligan has said often, no. Really? Like they would come up, they would come up with an idea and then they would have to figure it out later how they were going to solve it. So oh, that's for instance, cool. Yeah, so the final season begins uh, with a flash forward to Walt. He's got the beard. He's wearing the glasses. He's driving the car with the live free or die license plate. uh, And someone sells him the car with the machine gun in the trunk. And they had no idea what he was going to use the machine gun for, why he needed it, anything. And then they had to basically spend the entire rest of the show figuring that out. And, you know, they've talked about how, like, basically they were banging their heads against the wall constantly. Like, why did we put a machine gun in the trunk? We could have done anything. And now we have to justify the stupid fucking machine gun. That is so good. Yep. I want to know who came up with the solution to that. Um, I've asked them many times, and Vince, while a genius in many ways, also has a really bad memory for details. So okay. he, it's, I, I think he's called it like the fog of war, where it's just so hard to actually come up with the ideas that he wants to forget about the process. Right, I see, I see, I see. And Todd was someone who they did, they hired Jesse Plemons for like a two-episode job, and he was amazing. So of course, I love that. I love when I hear that stuff. That's so cool. Not everyone can do that, but when you're this talented, you can definitely pull it off. It's a smart show. You can't create a show with that that storyline in that world and not have it be smart. Otherwise, you're making a shitty fucking sitcom that no one's going to watch. <laughs> I, th- I believe I've seen on YouTube, like, people have sort of tried to cut down Breaking Bad and add a laugh track to make it look like a sitcom, but it's... Oh, wow. Okay. People have a lot of time on their hands. Yeah, yeah. Especially now. Yeah. <laughs> so, Eliza, I really appreciate you coming along for this crazy experiment with us. This was wonderful. That was so fun. For those of you at home, thanks for tuning in to Rolling Stone and OBB Sounds Too Long Didn't Watch, presented by Google Assistant. I'm Alan Sepinwall, and I am the one who pods. (laughs) Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the foolishness you just heard, we'd like to ask you to do the same things that all podcasts ask you for. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting platform, and please spread the word to anyone else you know who might enjoy it too. This has been OBB Sound and Rolling Stones Too Long Didn't Watch, brought to you by Google Assistant and hosted by me, Alan Seppenwall. Executive produced by Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Elias Tanner, and Alyssa Walker of OBB Sound, a division of OBB Media, and Gus Winner of Rolling Stone. 
Co-executive produced by Arlen Konopaki and Grace Delia of OBB Sound and Bridget Chelsea and Maria Fontour of Rolling Stone. The production was engineered by Evan Menick and Daniel Wanacott. Edited, mixed, and mastered by Michael Capuano. Sound designed by Michael Capuano. Original music by Daniel Wanacott. Production assistants were Jennifer Spots and Raquel Dominguez. 